Welcome to the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the birders that pursue them. This is episode 34 and today's guest is Ernst Rutte from BirdLife South Africa. He is going to tell us all about their 36th annual Birding Big Day that will take place on Saturday the 28th of November 2020. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes, as well as the BirdLasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. Be sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And please take some time to rate and comment on it. If you're listening to this between the 16th of November and the 15th of December 2020, you are listening right in the middle of our 30 Days of Christmas competition, where we are giving away 30 amazing birding-related prizes over 30 days. Head on over to either our Facebook or our Instagram pages to enter. Also check out our four-part Ultimate Birders Christmas Wishlist on our website to get lots of great ideas for birding-related gifts. Before we have a chat to Ernst, I just want to give a few listeners a shout-out. Firstly, a few of our Gauteng listeners. Andrew Wiggett has been enjoying the show and we're excited to hear that his son has started listening to the Youth Birding Podcast. Thanks so much for the support. And two of our newer listeners are Graham Lessing, who is also from Gauteng, and all the way from Ontario in Canada, we want to welcome Dale Wenger to our Birding Life family. We really appreciate all the sports and everyone that takes the time to listen. Please shoot us a message on either Facebook or Instagram or email us and let us know where you are listening from. So now let's hear from Ernst all about Birding Big Day. So Ernst, it's always a privilege to get to chat to people from BirdLife South Africa. And for the sake of those who don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also how you got involved in BirdLife South Africa? Yes, Adam, thanks first of all for the invite. It's great to, to chat to you. Um, yes, I've been at BirdLife now for 10 years. It's actually this month in November, it's been the 10th year been at BirdLife South Africa. So I had quite a strange career. It started in the government service in a total different field and also had a bit of time in the private sector. And then I had the opportunity 10 years ago to, to start working at BirdLife. And um, it's been absolutely fantastic to be part of BirdLife. But um, did we say birding and birds have been part of my life um, since um, I was a teenager. Um, as a teenager, when I lived here in Waverley, Pretoria, I would watch birds in our garden. And as you know, I'm quite old, so um, this is many, many years ago. And, um, and you know, I had a little box camera that I had from my father, and I would photograph birds in the garden. And um, you know, I just always had a passion for birds, for citizen science projects. So I've always volunteered and trained as a bird ringer. And um, yeah, I just has been involved with birding and bird claps and so on for all the years. So I'm extremely lucky that I said about 10 years ago, I could make my hobby my job. And it's absolutely fantastic to work for BirdLife South Africa. And going back all those years, is there a certain birding memory that just sticks that was like maybe that moment where, you know, it just it just became a passion for you? No, I can't say that there was a specific moment. Um, I I just don't know. You know, I've, I've been thinking back a lot of times, you know, what really got me into birding. Um, as I said, you know, my mother was loved nature and I think she she maybe um, taught me or brought me into birding, but I, I don't really know. I've been thinking back about that in the past, but I just think uh, it was a general growth and, uh, you know, that, that I 
just learned about birds when I was young. And um, I, I, I remember, what I can remember is when in my university years that um, the old Pretoria Bird Club um, was really, you know, keen bird. There was really keen birders. And I went out on outings with them and they had this local um, birding um, atlasing project. And that really got me interested in citizen science. And so there was all these sort of um, projects and um, things that I got involved in that, that got me interested. So I can't say there was one specific thing, but maybe just the help of other people and um, and so on, yes. And then in terms of, um, I know that you're a passionate atlaser, so what what is it that, that you love so much about atlasing? Oh, we can make a whole talk just about this. I absolutely love the concept of a citizen, citizen scientist, um, so that is a... Uh, ordinary member of the public, ordinary birder, that through um, his hobby, his passion for birding, can contribute to formal citizen science or formal science projects. I love the concept of crowdsourcing, you know, where we as a general community can contribute either money or knowledge or whatever um, to a course. And that is what citizen science and um, suburb two is all about. So, you know, this is a project where birders can go out, do what they love um, by just considering a few rules, submit their data to a project, which then ultimately the data can be used to conserve birds and improve our knowledge of bird distribution, etc just a beautiful concept to me that um, you know while we do what we love and um, you know that's birding we can contribute to a um, greater cause and to me that is just a, a beautiful concept and, and I just love it. I've looked back at old pictures of people who used to do atlasing and I'm sure you, you'll you know what I'm talking about Jay you know as you get those pictures of those people with this big map open on their bonnets and you know trying to pr- work out where they were and oh it looked like so much work in those days so you were um, around birding a long before we had the technology that we have as birders today. How was it birding before the internet and app era? How different was it to our birding today? Yeah, it looks a lot different. Uh, I suppose in many senses the same. You had a binocular and you go out and you bird and uh, you go out with your pals. So I'm lucky that my wife is also a keen birder, so we went out birding a lot. But I mean, it's now much easier to share information about um, what you've seen. I remember when I was, you know, in my 20s, how I would see something that's really special and I would love to share that with somebody. Um, you've maybe seen something that's very special, some interesting bird behavior. Or, and, you know, it was just very difficult to share that information. You could write a little article to your local club newspaper or um, newsletter that might only appear a month or two later. Um, there was no WhatsApp. There was no email. You know, it was just very difficult to share what you see and, and what you experience with other birders. Also to... To get knowledge, um, there was, uh, as you said, a few club newsletter, maybe a magazine or two. So it was really difficult to learn about club outings and events that you can participate, but also about um, new bird sightings and so on. It, it, it was not freely available. Um, so, so it was quite, yeah, a lot different. But uh, yes, and during the years, I mean, especially the last 10 or 20, 15 years with the internet, things have just changed massively and all for the better. Um, so it's now so easy when you see something special, you can post it, you know, even atlasing wise, you know, we've got bird cluster now, which makes it a lot easier to um, to submit data. You've got your app on your phone. Um, you can play the calls back um, a lot easier. I'm a little bit worried that sometimes technology um, 
might interfere a bit. I like the idea, you know, the thing about going to the field and being able to identify birds yourself. And now people want to take photographs and submit it to an app and get it um, ID'd for them. But that's fine. That's how times change. But I'd like the idea to, to go in the field and try your best to identify a bird yourself by the call or uh, by looking at it and behavior, considering the habitat distribution and all those sort of things. That's all part of the fun of birding for me. But yeah, no, things have certainly changed a lot. Now, it's always been an argument I've had. I think a lot of birders nowadays have got a little bit lazy. I mean, you see a bird and instead of going through all the ID features and paging through the book like you would have had to do all those years ago, you just put the sighting on Facebook or on WhatsApp and somebody just gives you the ID. And I think the the, the danger in that is that you you get the idea of the bird, but you don't you don't really know much about the bird. You haven't actually, you don't know how to ID that bird yourself. And I think it's the, probably that's where technology is, has become a bit of a, a dangerous thing, which probably help. It's not helping a lot of birders to grow in terms of their identification skills. And also just as, as birders also. Yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, I've made peace with that. A few years ago, I had my first burst outing where a person picked up with only a camera and no binoculars. And the person would just take photographs and then go and sit in home afterwards and go through the photos and ID it. And it was just to me, you know, I felt that's not what birding should be. But that's my my opinion. Other people's got different opinions and, and there's different ways that people can watch birds and, and enjoy it and so on. And, and, and as I said to me, that it's not the way I want the bird. And, and I feel that, as you say, that you don't really get to know the bird if you if you bird that way. But, um, you know, that's things change in life and, and it's been not all the same. And um, so I'm perfectly happy if, if people want to do it that way. Um, but that's not the way I want to want to do my birding. And then you touched on the bird lasser app earlier in terms of bird lasser and atlasing. Um, what impact do you feel that bird lasser has had on birding in Southern Africa? Oh, absolutely massive. Um, so, I mean, just in terms of the Sabab 2 project, um, I've been involved with the Sabab 2 project since its launch in 2007. And those first um, courses I presented on Sabab 2 was just a nightmare for, I had to teach people about you know, map reading and you had to draw in the lines on these big one to 50,000 topographical maps. And I, you know, just find the, the name of the pentad. Um, it, it was just really, really difficult for people to atlas. And now it is just so easy, you know, I, I can sit here at home and decide, oh, I want to go and atlas. I take my phone and take my, um, binoculars i drive to the nearest pentad i start atlasing the app does everything for me and um, it, it just you know make it so easy for people to to record and submit their data to sabab too so yeah it, you know also sharing the data you know um, you know if you see an interesting bird you can just take that um, sighting and share it to on whatsapp with your friends or uh, with the larger birding community you can build your life list on it so in the past, I always had these massive Excel um, tables to keep track of my um, birds that I've seen. Now it's all done by bird lasser. Um, and also, you know, getting data that you can submit to courses. So at Birdlass of Africa, we make use of the point data that people, um, when they record threatened bird species, and we get thousands of those data points every month. Um, as people record uh, threatened bird species data, and we use that data to to build uh, species distribution models and and all sort of things. So it's just re- revolutionised um, our thinking about birding and and how to uh, you know that app is just absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah, I know we, for those who are listening who might not understand much about this atlasing thing, um, I've already had a chat to Ernst. We will be doing an episode early next year and just going over all the protocols and how atlasing works. So yeah, just make sure you follow the podcast and just stay tuned because we will be covering that in the you know next couple of months. But Ernst, while we have you on the shows, on Saturday the 20th of November, BirdLife South Africa's 36th annual Birding Big Day will be taking place. I think that this is one of the coolest days in birding in South Africa. I look forward to it from the beginning of the year. I actually said to someone a while ago, well, I actually put, did a blog post where I said, you know, for me, it's not about competing against other teams. Um, it's actually about competing against our own team and just trying to improve on the previous year. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of this event? Yes. Um, as I said, Birding Big Day is a Birdlife South Africa event and it's a highlight on our calendar of events um, each year. As you've mentioned, it's this year it will be the 36th uh, Birding Big Day. I think that's quite amazing to think that for 36 years um, on every last November, I, I think it was always on the last November, uh, last Saturday of November, um, we had this day where people can go out and watch as many species as they can see um, in a 24-hour period. I actually wish I could remember, and I made a note, but somebody mentioned to me that he actually participated in all 36 um, birding big days, which I think is an amazing record. And um, it's just a great event um, where, um, you know, we as Birdlife of Africa ask people to go out and try and see as many species as they can on the day. And we hope to continue with this day um, as going forward. It's been growing steadily, especially in the last few years with Birdlasser and some new, you know, the ability to see where people have locked the birds. And we'll chat about that a bit later. Um, the event has grown. We've got over 300 teams now, over 1,200 people participating, and that's formally an event. And then there are many more people that participate on an informal basis. And it must be one of the longest-running birding events um, in the world. Um, I mean, maybe I'm a little presumptuous here, but uh, it must be uh, one of the, the longer-running events um, in the world. And is the day all about chasing birds and trying to get a long list, or is there a... A bigger purpose behind the day? Um, no, definitely not. So I'm afraid that Birding Big Day got this sort of image that it's all about um, records and competition. And I want to change that perception. So yes, um, there are teams that really go all out to try and get as many species as possible. And that's one part of the fun of it. And we can chat about that a little bit more later. Um, but to me, Birding Big Day is more about, you know, a celebration of the bird diversity we have in South Africa, a celebration of birding as a hobby. And I wish we could get five or 10,000 people like they've got with these birding counts in um, Australia. They just had their big bird count, um, backyard count in Australia. And there's, um, you know, all sort of um, garden bird counts in, in Europe where thousands of birders go out and they just have fun collecting data. And I hope that we can grow um, Birding Big Day during the years where everybody, anybody that just wants to go and record or do a bit of bird watching in his local park or garden will also participate and lock their data on the day. So yes, to me, it is, it's all about birds and the celebration of birds and birding of a hobby. There's also a little bit more serious side to it that is also a fundraising event for BirdLife South Africa. We ask people to make a donation to BirdLife if they participate. We naturally in BirdLife need funding in order to do our work. So we raise um, quite a bit of funding each year um, through uh, 
this event. And then also we ask people to um, submit their data to the Southern African Triathlon Project. If they're participants of that project, we hope that on the day they will also submit their data um, to, to this project. So, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a number of reasons why we, we have Bird in Big Day. Now, I know a lot of teams take this day very, very seriously. They go all out. I mean, I've heard guys doing all sorts of crazy things. So, um, you know, from what you've heard, what are some of the craziest things that people have done to try and get a, a big list on the day? Yeah, as I said, um, some teams will do everything in their, in their power to, to see as many species as possible. So it's amazing to me sometimes how year, even a month before Birding Big Day, that um, teams will be out there um, doing rickies, um, seeing where's the water birds, you know, what sort of habitats are available. So things can sometimes change from year to year. I remember last year, I remember that um, a team had a regular spot where they would record water birds. And last year they got to this dam and it was not there anymore. It was um, destroyed. So if they didn't do the recce beforehand, they would have thought they would see all the ducks and uh, egrets and so on there. And, um, and you know, so, so luckily they beforehand had a look and had to find another dam, you know, to get the water birds and so on. And then there's teams that will, um, you know, we had a team that at one point hired a helicopter to get from point A to B. Um, so there's teams that, that would do that sort of thing. Yeah, so, so teams um, try their utmost, you know, to travel as quickly as possible be- between point A and B. And some teams will create detailed maps of, you know, what roads to take and how much time to spend in each spot um, and really plan every minute of the day to try and get as many species as possible. I think that um, story about those people that went to back to the spot to try get you know water birds where there was no there was no water birds there because there was no water there is interesting because it just shows an, another thing that's important about this day in terms of you know just as as people go around and bird all these different spots I think they become more and more aware of the issues that are facing a lot of the birds that in our region stuff like habitat loss and that and I think it it just keeps it it keeps it before people and keeps people aware of of what our birds are really facing. Absolutely. Now, there's definitely an educational aspect to this. Um, you know, we'll chat about it a little bit later, but in order to get a decent list of species, you need to visit as many habitats as possible. And what we, I've heard it so many times that people say to me, oh, they, you know, during the years, there was this little piece of grassland where they would get all the grassland species and now it's all built up, you know, or it's been converted to agricultural land or or something like that. Um, you know, lots of teams, you know, that do the same area over and over again, maybe get less and less species because the habitats become degraded or it's just plain not there anymore. So there's definitely, um, you know, we, we, I think a lot of people learn a lot about the impact of transformation of habitats and so on um, if they do, you know, target the same sort of area every year. Um, so, so there's definitely a, a big educational aspect to this also. And then for somebody who's listening, we're speaking all about this birding big day and people saying, what the heck is all this about? Can you give us a basic overview of how the day works? So it's very simple. On the 28th of November this year, on a Saturday, from 12 in the morning till 12 in the evening, we ask um, teams to go out and lock as many species as they can see during that period. So a team can consist of up to four birders in the open category, in the community category. There can be more people, but most people, um, so, you know, enter the open category, as I said, to where you can have a maximum of four people in a team. And the team will then travel together 
and they will try and see as many species as possible in that 24 hours. Now, you don't have to um, bird all 24 hours. You can just bird for 10 hours, or 3 hours, or 1 hour. But naturally, if you want to get a really, really great species list, you need to, the more time you spend in the field, the longer your list will be. So in my experience, I find that most people start just before um, sunrise in the morning, listening to the dawn chorus. So just then also to mention that you can log birds on site, but also on call. So uh, most teams will be at the specific site just before sunrise to listen to the dawn chorus and then start logging birds um, that they hear. So the other thing that's important to recognize that you're limited to a 50 kilometer radius from a center point. So you need to select beforehand what area you're going to bird in. So you need to decide, let's say if you're in Pretoria, you're going to use the Pretoria Botanical Gardens as your center points and you can then bird any part of that area 50 kilometers from the botanical gardens. Now that's quite a large area. Some people think it's quite small, but it's basically a 100 kilometer um, area that you can bird, which is quite large. And usually there's a lot of habitats in such an area that you can visit. And you need to plan beforehand exactly where you want to go and visit if you if you want to try and get a, a really long species list. So it's actually so easy. Just you and your friends decide you want to go and do birding big day, um, create a team, create a name for your team, um, decide on the area that you want to go and bird, and on birding big day, go and out and keep a list of birds that you've seen. And we ask people to lock this data on BirdLasser, and we can chat a little bit more about that now, and then just go out and bird for as many hours as you want on birding big day. And through BirdLasser, we'll show all the data on a map. You basically just indicate how many species you've seen. So so it is really, really as easy as that. And you spoke about the BirdLasser app. So somebody obviously registered. We'll chat about the registration process a little bit just now. But once they've entered the the species they see on BirdLasser, is there anything else they have to do once it's entered on BirdLasser? Let me explain. There's two ways that you can lock your data for Birding Big Day. So if you've got the BirdLasser app on your phone, one member of the team needs to register um, on the website. So we registered a team and one person's account, BirdLasser account, we lock on our website. And what happens as you lock your birds during the day, if you've got internet access on your phone, it will upload all the sightings that you see to the BirdLasser database. And they then render the data to an online map. And this is the fun part of birding big day during this last number of years. Um, in the past, people would submit written lists afterwards, and you would only know who wins, um, you know, a few days after birding big day. But now we can actually live see how people lock their birds because those sightings upload to this map. And anybody in the world, whether you participate in birding big day or not, can actually see which what the total of each team are and actually click on it each team and see exactly which birds they've seen where and so on. So that's the exciting thing that BirdLass brought. It became like a sporting event where you've got a leaderboard and you can actually see um, how many species each person or each team have locked. Um, but we also, for people that don't have BirdLasser and just want to lock birds the old way, they can just stick their birds off on a paper and then submit, submit a paper list to us um, and um, we will then accept the paper list as their entry. So we prefer that people use the BirdLasser option for it just adds so much more value to bird to the birding day. But if you just want to lock your, you know, take your birds down on a piece of paper, you're also more than welcome to do so. 
And you touched earlier on those two categories that there are. There's the open category and there's the community category. Can you explain how these two categories work? So the main difference is into the size of the team. So we sometimes have schools, scout groups, um, and even work clubs that want to do birding big day in a larger group, let's say 10 or 20 people. Um, and so they will arrange, for instance, it's a bird club outing that one person will um, lock the data and um, that data will show on the bird lesson map. But naturally, it is unfair to have a group of 20 people competing against a group of four people. So um, they enter the community category and the um, open category, the um, limit is a maximum of four members in a team. So that's the, the, the big difference between it. So the community category is a little bit more informal, um, while the open category is, is more formal and limited to, to, to four members. And then there's not only a nationwide challenge where you compete against, let's say, the whole, everyone in the country, but there's also provincial challenges. How do people enter these provincial challenges? Yes, so we started the provincial challenges last year. Maybe I can just quickly explain why. So we had a lot of people that were a little bit happier that if you live in the Northern Cape and you participate in Birding Big Day, it's really nearly impossible, not nearly, it is impossible to compete, for instance, with people that live in Polokwane in, or in Nelspruit. Um There's just not as many species that you can see, and therefore they can never compete with, um, you know, on a national level. So we try all sort of handicap systems, but it's really complicated and, and they didn't really work. So last year, for the first time, we had provincial challenges where you can try and see the most species in your um, specific province, which, which sort of uh, make it a little bit easier for people to, to compete on, uh, on a local level. So you don't specifically have to enter for any provincial challenge. So all that happens is you enter your um, registration and we on this side um, enter everybody on the national list. And just on the evening before Birding Big Day, we transfer all the teams to all the provincial challenges. And because BirdLasset take your exact coordinate, it knows in which province you have locked the species. And all the provincial maps will then automatically allocate all the sightings for a province to that specific province. So this is one of the nice things about BirdLasset, you know, it can, you know, basically allocate your data very easily to say that you've been logging now in Gauteng, but if you move over to the boundary in Northwest and you log there, it will allocate your data to the Northwest province. So it all happens automatically. You don't have to enter for each specific province. However, what is important that if you want to break the record, let's say for the Gauteng province, or you want to compete in the Gauteng province challenge, you need to make sure that your roots and so on stay with each, within the Gauteng province or the Northwest or Western Cape province. So it's important to plan your birding. If you're going to bird in and out of a province and cross over the boundary, um, your data is going to be split between different provinces. So it's really important that you plan and decide, I want to do the national province, um, na national challenge. I'm not going to worry about provincial challenges. Or you need to decide, I'm going for the KZN challenge. And then you need to make sure that you stay in the KZN province and lock all your birds there so that the data is automatically calculated and tallied in the KZN province. So that's really important to understand. I know it'll be quite difficult to put details down for every single province. Maybe I can actually ask you to send through those information. We can pop it onto our social media. Just let everyone know what the provincial records are. But what is the what is the current record for big for birding big day for the entire of the the entire of South Africa? So last year we um, the team with the name of a bowl of corn crakes, um, team of John Davies. 
actually broke the very, very long-standing record of just, I think it was 322 birds held by Zonke and Yoni, and they saw 325 bird species um, in, in the one day. And I just think that's absolutely amazing to think that in an area of radius of 50 kilometers, um, you can see 325 species, just um, fantastic. So these they birded the area um, in Polokwane and to the east of it. Um, there's a wide variety of habitats in that area, and that's one of the main areas that people try and get the most species. So just out of interest, so Zonke and Yoni, um, team of Joe Grossel and Hank Nelson had 311 species, and equal with them was Team Hammerkop um, that also saw 311 species. Now Zonke and Yoni and Team Hammerkop were always the two teams that um, were the favourites to win this competition. But uh, we had a new kit on the block yesterday last year, and the bowl of concretes came and they uh, beat them quite comprehensively. And all three teams have already entered this year, and I understand there's also another team that's really, really going out to try and, and break this record of 325 bird species. So it's going to be interesting to see what um, what happens this year. So this is naturally on a um, so for, for for the whole country. So just a little bit on provincial totals. Um, so Team Hammerkop, um, as I said, they had 311 bird species. They bird around Nelsruh, um, Nels. Nelsprite. So they've got 311 species, which is in the record for Mupumalanga. For the Free State, Darby Kleinhounds and his wife, um, Sabatu Kukan is the name of their team. Locked 185 bird species, so that's just the current record to break for the Free State. The Kimberley Croppers is for the Northern Cape province. They recorded 149 species, and that's the Dak Heerbottle and his team. I also understand this year the Northwest Province, there's going to be is a massive, um, I've heard about two or three teams that's going to try and break the record of 244 bird species. Last year, Sean Miggley, Steam, Free Rafts and a Gull um, set the record of 244 bird species. Just very quickly, the other Western Cape is 236, Eastern Cape, 185. Actually, there's two teams that um, they had equal number of birds last year, the wannabe raptors and the Paxton's pipits. They both saw 185 species. Gauteng is 215. And I'm quite interested to see somebody cannot break the Gauteng record for the team, the Soaring Isuzus. They is one of our top teams. They've got over 300 species. So they moved between different provinces and just because they also birded a lot in Gauteng. Um, saw 215 species, but I think somebody that's really trying to break the Gauteng record might actually be able to do that. And then the record for KwaZulu Natal is 237 by Brad Ather. And I've just received his um, team for um, KZN today, and he's built a really, really uh, a new team with very, very capable birders. And I think they're going to try and break this record of 237. So also very interesting, um, one of the things that I really like is of this thing is to how many birds we can see as all teams together. So we also last year break the record for that. So we saw 667 bird species in South Africa during Birding Big Day 2019. And that is quite a lot if you consider that we've got about 850 bird species in South Africa and many of them are vagrants. Um, 667 is actually a really, really nice total. So we, what pushed that total up last year is that we had the Pelagic going out of Cape Town and they also locked the birds that they saw during Pelagic. And I hope that we can do that again this year, either from Durban or Cape Town. I must still contact them and see if we can break this record of 667. 
I actually feel that if we really set our mind to it and get people to lock all the birds in, for instance, the Northern Cape and KZN and so on, all the specials, uh, we might be able to get to 700 if we really, really try, um, you know, and, and lock all the birds. The problem is in a Northern Cape, you know, nobody really do birding big day in the Northern Cape because you only see such a few species of birds there. But that means that we missed all those endemics in the Northern Cape, all those larks and so on. So, so we miss out on a lot of those species. But it would be a really fun challenge to try and one day and see if we can get um, to the 700 mark um, as a group together. We locked nearly 40,000 records last year on bird classes. That is not um, considering the people that have submitted um, paper list. But just the amount of people that locked the date on BirdLast, so we had over 40,000 um, records, um, which is just absolutely amazing. You know, I think listening to this now, it almost sounds like I'm listening to a, a sports report, like, a you know, when the guys come at the end of the day and say, this is how the guys did in their sports. It's very exciting. I mean, you know, listening to, like, obviously, I'll be doing the KZN one. It's almost like, you know, we want to try to get as close as we can to record. We've got our own goals. We've got set, and we've done a lot of planning to, to do the best we can on the day. Um, you know... We have people listening from all over the world. What you know? Is there a way um, that people can follow the progress that to see how teams are doing? I know they can go onto the Birdlasser app. Do you have a Facebook page and there where people can follow how teams are doing during the over the course of the day? Yes. So as I said, we've got a Birdlasser map um, that that will show up um, on, during the day. But I think the easiest is people go to the Birdland South Africa website um, and. They'll see on the, the main page, the front page, there's a link to the Birding Big Day um, page. And on there is all the links um, to the, uh, you know, information about the, the event, the registration link. But there's also then a link to the to the bird lesson map. But I will also send you the information and we, you can post the, the link there. We've also got a Facebook page on both uh, event page where for Birding Big Day. And all the links and information will also be posted there. And I'm even trying this year to have a um, Telegram group, a, bro a broadcast channel, where I will submit or, you know, regularly post um, information about the event. Um, so people are also more than welcome to, to join that um, group and then get updates during the day about how teams are doing and, and what, uh, what the totals are. So um, please go to the birdlife.org.za and follow the link to the Birding Big Day page and all the information is there or search for the day on, on Facebook and you'll, you will also get all the information there. And then obviously 2020, the big word has been COVID. <laughs> so how is COVID, uh, how are the COVID restrictions affecting the running of the day? Yeah, for one, at one point we thought that Birding Big Day will not take place this year, but luckily things have changed and we can now bird and move between provinces and so on. So we decided to go ahead with Birding Big Day, but we asked that all birders will adhere to the protocols and um, guidelines for, for COVID. And one, naturally, we still got a curfew in place from 12 in the morning till 4 o'clock. So teams will not be able to travel around um, from 12 to 4. But naturally, if you're in Kruger or your home is within your 50-kilometer radius, there's nothing that prohibits you to, to bird um, between 12 and 4 and lock any birds that you see. But we, you according to the rules, you cannot get into your car and travel um, between 4 o'clock or before 4 o'clock. So we do ask um, birders to plan a little bit around that. But to be quite honest, um, in previous years, I know that most people only start logging birds after 4 o'clock. It's a long day and it's easier to start a little bit late in the day and then go um, into the night. 
Um, so, so most birders will only start logging birds after four o'clock. So I don't think that will impact birding big day a lot um, this year. But yeah, wearing masks and taking all the precautions and, um, you know, that we've become used to, it's important. Um, you will also, you know, birders will also meet up with other teams on, on, in the, you know, when birding. So, you know, just take all the precautions, um, that, that, you know, we know that we need to take and, 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 uh, you know, keep to the rules question i probably get asked by non-birders more than any other question is how do you make sure that people don't cheat on the day so birding big day is still adhering to the old rule of you know we trust each birder to do the rest and to do the right thing i just don't have the time i mean it might be possible to go and vet all forty thousand records to see if they are correct but we trust that birders will um, do the honest thing and try and be as accurate as possible naturally they can id birds incorrectly and so on that this is totally possible but birding is all you know birders are generally honest people and you know it's just amazing in the past uh, how we had um I think it's about two, three years ago, we had the top two teams. The one team was shown that they, they have won, and then later on they realized that they've actually um, incorrectly recorded a bird during the day for two birds. They removed it, and they from this winning team, they moved to the second um, team. So I'm actually quite, you know, it, it's really nice to see that birders are honest and that they do the right thing. Um, so what we do um, for the top teams is we do a little bit of vetting to just make sure that maybe there's not finger errors and so on. And also for the totals, um, the, the total of all the birds seen in South Africa, I've got a little procedure to test um, the data for those species that might have only been seen once on the day, or sometimes that might just be inexperienced birders or incorrect entries. But yeah, in general, we trust that birders will do the right thing and, and not, uh, not crook and, and, and be honest. So just to almost end off, how can bird, how can teams enter and what is the cost? So the easiest thing is that people, as I said, need to go to our website, birdlife.org.za, follow the page to um, Birding Big Day. There's a very simple um, link of page, the entry page that you can click on. And it's going to ask you for some personal information. And then you enter the name of your team your team members, the name of the person that will enter the data on BirdClasser. Um, I will get that information and I will then enter your name on the Birding Big Day page for BirdClasser and I'll let you know that you've been registered, etc. So it is really simple. Um, there's no cost to participate in Birding Big Day, but we do have a Birding Big Day badge that we give to teams that participate. So as I said, it's also a fundraising event for us. So if people want badges, they can get the four, first four badges for 300 Rand and then 15 Rand for any extra badge. And then we ask teams to maybe try and raise funding on a day, go to companies or, you know, just make donations to BirdClass of Africa. Um, so they can maybe, let's say, then donate 500 Rand and 300 Rand goes for the badges and so on. And the other money goes to the donation to BirdLife South Africa. So it's really simple. You just click on that link, enter your information, and uh, we will do the rest on the site to enter your information into the BirdLife Challenge. Or if you're just going to submit um, your paper list, just still um, enter, but um, you will then just um, sub um, email us your, your list after Birding Big Day. Ernst, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I really want to encourage people who are listening, those in South Africa, take part in the day. It's really going to be great. I know we next week we are going to have a day, uh, or next week's episode, we can have a couple of people coming on just chatting about and giving tips as to how uh, tips that they apply for Big Birding Day. So just, yeah, 
participate and I think most will have a lot of fun on the day. But it's been good having a chat, Ernst. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, thanks to you for inviting me. And, and yes, please, um, I would I would like to invite everybody. Let's make this uh, 2020 has been a crazy day. Let's make this a highlight of the year and let's tell South Africa about the wonderful birds we have in South Africa, birding as a hobby. It's a wonderful opportunity for us in at BirdLife South Africa to, to tell South Africa about um, this wonderful diversity of birds we have in South Africa and our fantastic hobby. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a laugh list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.